Welcome again to the Radio Bible Course. Our study in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 begins today with verse 6. Paul earlier had explained how he was concerned about the Thessalonian Christians because of the persecution that was upon them, and for that reason he sent Timothy to them to build them up in the faith and to encourage them. He had warned them earlier that persecution would come. Now, in verse 6, Paul writes, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us, as we long to see you, for this reason, brethren, in all our desires and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we render to God for you, for all the joy which we feel for your sake before our God, praying earnestly night and day that we may see your face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Paul says that Timothy brought back news of two things, their faith and their love. It's interesting that the great scholar Kelvin commented about faith and love. He said in these two words, he comprehends briefly the entire sum of true piety. Hence, all that aim at this twofold mark during their whole life are beyond all risk of erring. All others, however much they may torture themselves, wander miserably, he said. Well, faith and love are big words in the Bible. In Galatians 5-6, where the controversy over circumcision was a pretty hot issue, Paul wrote, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith, working true love. Why is that the case? Because love is the fulfilling of the law, according to Romans chapter 13, verse 8. And Paul seems especially comforted by the love that the Thessalonians had for him. I'd like to point out that in the New International Version Study Bible, which I consider very good and often recommend it to people, that Paul points out three things here. He was joyful, first of all, for the faith of the Thessalonians, which is a right attitude toward God. He was joyful for their love, which is a right attitude toward men. And he was further joyful because they longed to see Paul. They had a right attitude toward Paul. I think that expresses it quite well. Apparently, Paul wrote this letter very soon after hearing the good news of their faith. He said that Timothy brought us good news. That's the word for preaching the gospel. The gospel means good news. And this is Paul's only use of that expression in reference to anything except the gospel itself. That's how good this news was. He compared it with the good news that came from God about what Jesus Christ had done for us. Apparently, Paul was pretty lonely in Athens. 
And when this news came that these Thessalonian Christians really wanted to see him again, oh, that delighted him greatly. Now we move on to verse 7. Paul writes, For this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. Well, distress and affliction describe Paul's state. He was going through some trying times in that city of Athens. Now, let's not think of Paul as being so spiritual that he could have no emotional distress. He was a human. He needed love like every other man needs love. And in spite of his boldness for Christ, he had his weak moments too. But when the news with Timothy came, it settled him, giving him new courage and strength. I suspect that Paul might have feared that some of those people might have fallen away from the faith, and he knew how discouraged he would be if that happened. Well, Paul had something going for him, which present-day evangelists do not. You see, Paul never begged anyone to become a Christian. He gave them the information. He spoke for God about what God had done, but he never asked anyone to believe. He didn't need to, because good preaching of the gospel announces to people what they need to do for God, and what is that? To make a simple response of faith. The gospel tells what God has done for them already through Christ. Now, one of the reasons so many people fall away is that they are begged to become Christians. They are coerced or manipulated. Music is sometimes used to get decisions out of people. We can never be sure that they have really believed, because their emotions are too involved in this. Now, the gospel has to go to the mind. Why? Because people have to understand what they're doing and what they are going to believe. We can't leave the mind out of the gospel. Emotions are fine, because we are emotional creatures. But emotions without intellect amount to nothing. And that's why so many people wander away from the faith shortly after having made a decision. Now, it was their faith that was the key to Paul's comfort. Faith is what counts, not their works, but rather what they believed. Now, they had works. Paul reminded them of that in the opening verses of this epistle. He said, We give thanks to God always for you all, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and your labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Their faith is what comforted Paul. Now think of some friend that you may not have seen for many years, a friend who was in the Christian faith. What would make you most happy when he returned? And when you got together and talked, if he talked about his faith, wouldn't that fill your heart with joy, knowing that he was standing fast in the faith? It would to me. And Paul addresses this in the very next verse. He said, for now we live, if you stand fast in the Lord. What did he mean by that? I think he's saying, for now we really live, if you stand firm. 
You see, Paul gave his life for this faith message. He went all over the known world propagating the truth about Jesus Christ. If people believed, he found great satisfaction. And Timothy's report confirmed that these Thessalonian Christians really had believed and they were holding to the faith. Now, in view of the persecution which was prevailing in Thessalonica, their firmness in the gospel could be considered a faith work. It was a real proof of their faith. Now, good works sometimes are thought to be proof that a person is a Christian, but they are not. Why not? Because unbelievers often do good works. But a faith work, such as standing up in the face of persecution, not wavering from the faith, or trusting God regardless of what people say, that's a faith work. Now, we have to be sure God has said it and that he has said it to us. There are some people who are putting words in God's mouth. That's not faith. That's presumption. Take a passage. Does it apply to you? Was it spoken to a believer in the New Testament? If it was spoken before the cross, it may have been referring to a Jew. And if you're not a Jew practicing Judaism and living by the law of Moses, then that doesn't apply to you. God does have instruction for Christians, and he has given it to the church through the epistles which have come by John and Peter and the Apostle Paul primarily. There are some things in the Bible which apply to all men. One of those is the statement of Jesus in John 14:6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. But there are other teachings, such as the command to tithe one's income in Malachi 3.10, which was given only to the Jews. That's not anything that was ever told to a Christian in the New Testament. Then there are other things that are only for Christians, for people who have believed. To them, God gives instructions on how they ought to behave, such as in Titus Chapter 3, verse 8, telling us that we ought to do good works. Now, God never tells that to an unbeliever. He tells that to those who have believed in Christ and have Christ as their all-sufficient Savior. They are the ones who now ought to be doing good works. Now, in James chapter 2, we read much about these proof works of which I've been speaking Abraham had a proof work, or we might call it a faith work. When he believed God and was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac on the altar, even though God had made a promise that through Isaac all these descendants like the stars in the heaven would finally come, he was willing to sacrifice. And that's how much faith he had because God told him to do it. But he also believed, according to Hebrews chapter 11, that God would raise Isaac from the dead if he did kill him. Now that is faith. So his offer to sacrifice Isaac on the altar was a proof work or a faith work, but not a good work. Likewise, in that same chapter of James, we have Rahab. 
Rahab who betrayed her people in the city of Jericho, who turned against her own king, who lied to the king's messengers, and who showed great selfishness in wanting to escape as long as she and her family were not murdered, she was willing to help the spies, and she did. And that is considered a faith work, helping the spies escape, because she had faith in their God, the God of Israel, who had brought these people out of Egypt by his mighty hand, who had brought them across the sea, through the wilderness for forty years, and then defeated some of the kings on the east bank of the Jordan River. She knew all about it, and she trusted in that God. But she didn't do a good work. She didn't help anybody. As a matter of fact, hundreds and perhaps thousands were annihilated by the army of the children of Israel as they came in because she had betrayed her people. Ah, but her activity was a faith work. Now, the Thessalonians had a faith work. They were holding to the faith in spite of persecution. Many of our listeners have ordered teaching tapes from us to help them to understand the Bible. We want you to know that we have a newly published brochure with an updated list of teaching tapes which are available for your purchase. New tapes which are available include Daniel, the book of Acts, a revised teaching on the book of Romans, Second Corinthians, and Second Timothy. Write for your free copy of Teaching Tapes. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.